0: You'll probably remember Dee Kelly as White Dee from the Channel 4 documentary Benefit Street and on Celebrity Big Brother. Dee and her children moved out of James Turner Street in Winston Green to Hansworth after Benefit Street ended. Today she talks about the impact the programme had on her and her children's lives and why she felt she wanted to help others by co-launching Birmingham Says No, a group dedicated to empowering young people in the city.
1: I don't think anyone could have prepared themselves for the aftermath. It's like it's never been, or it never will be, kind of about me, because I've never, I've never been that type of person. There were so many young people out there who cared and were against this gang life and this knife culture, and that's when we kind of thought, I think we could do, you know, we could do something with these young people. There are people out there who are willing to to listen to you and a lot of the problems that we've come across is that young people, they have reached out to people in the past and they're just not heard or it's batted off. You can understand then why they're not willing to come forward or they're not willing to sort of say, listen, I'm in this situation and I'm really, really scared but we are here to listen.
0: Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. So let's get straight into talking to Dee about everything that's happened since Benefit Street and why she's doing so much to help young people in Birmingham. Hi Dee, thanks for joining us on the
1: podcast today. Hello Zoe, you're welcome, thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Well, um, what you've been doing is just amazing, you're a fantastic ambassador for Birmingham and and helping people in Birmingham. Tell me a bit about life on Benefit Street, How, how was that and how has that kind of affected your life since?
1: Believe it or not, January 2014 was when that documentary was aired. So we're talking it's six, no, eight years ago, eight years ago this month, which is just pure madness. And I'm I'm still here, Zoe, I don't know how I'm still here, but, um, you know, I do miss it. I do miss it because life was so perfect back then. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but life, I suppose everything has to change, doesn't it? Everything has to change. And I'm not saying my life's not perfect now, but it was perfect then. I suppose we we all progress, don't we? We have to move on or or not move on or I don't know. Bittersweet, isn't it? It's bittersweet.
0: Yeah, because obviously you moved away, and you're not so, it's so much in touch with people from Benefit Street. No, that. it's.
1: Like I'm still in touch with. Um, I'm in touch with quite a few, but nobody was actually on the show. So,
0: mm. yeah.
1: So that, but you know, that part is a shame. But like you said, do you know what I mean? It's like we all we all grow, don't we? And it's like I'm. St- you know, like I said, I'm. <laughs> I'm still cooking dinners for people on a bigger scale. I'm still like, it's <laughs> kind of like.
0: What impact do you think it had on your kids?
1: Do you know, the kids, it was kind of like really weird because obviously they've grown up a lot because it was such a long time ago. I think Caitlin was about 14, 15 and Gerard was obviously really small. He was only five. Back then when it was actually happening, I think we protected them so, so much. The schools that we're at were amazing, do you know what I mean? And and obviously, you know, my friends and my, 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 my family and stuff was so kind of, you know, on point that it didn't really affect them as much now. Sorry, not now, back then. Do you know what I mean? Like They, they still mm. went to school and they still did what they had to do and things like that. And they're very, very grounded children, which, you know, I, I am truly blessed.
0: And so what about Celebrity Big Brother? How was that?
1: Looking back on it now, it was one of the best things I've ever, ever done in my life. I'd never, I mean, I was a, a massive fan of Big Brother from from the day from the date, very, very first day, but I'd never, ever, ever wanted to go in there. But the opportunity, obviously, they came to me and the opportunity arose. And the more people that told me that, you know, who does she think she is? She's not a celebrity. She's not this. She's not that. Then the more I kind of dug my heels in and thought, you know something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go in anyway. I think more so just to really annoy the people who are out there who think they can judge and say, you know, she ain't this, she ain't that. And I'm like, well, it's not like I've begged these people to go in. They're actually begging me to go in. So I'm going to go because I'm very stubborn. I suppose like that but yeah so it was it was very very surreal and definitely one of the Mm. most amazing amazing moments of my life yeah apart from missing the children (laughs) but like I said you know again I made some amazing friends it's kind of was in there with some fantastic people and I'm still very, very close to obviously to young Ricky from Geordie Shore and Kelly Maloney was in there. Me and K- Kelly are amazing friends. You know, she comes over here and I, you know, I've been over to Portugal because, you know, I'm blessed that she's she's made Portugal her home. Um, so I've been over to see her and I still speak to like, Audley Harrison and George from Cogglewood. And, and as I was saying it's kind of like we don't kind of click. We'll be speaking to each other on the phone and then someone will go, is that, is that so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah. Because I tend to, and they're like, oh, my God, you mean you mean off the telly? And I'm like, yeah. but I can't, because they're friends now, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, I just <laughs> still find it just, like, totally surreal that it's, you know, that I'm talking to these people as friends, but other people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just spoke to them. And I'm like, well, why? Because they're my friend. But it it's just <laughs> weird. It's, it But... Lovely, surreal, lovely.
0: You can't ever have imagined the aftermath of uh, Benefit Street. Did you ever think that it would go kind of the way that it did?
1: <laughs> I'm not. I never ever thought it'd be edge. If I'm honest with you, um, I don't think anyone could have prepared themselves for the aftermath. I don't think the production company could have prepared themselves for the aftermath. I don't think Channel 4 could have prepared themselves for the aftermath, So, it, And I think that's kind of uh, why it's probably still one of the biggest ever, I'm not even going to call it, it was a documentary series of, of, of Channel 4's history, to be fair. Nobody, nobody could have ever, I suppose, of... Thought what would happen or or what wouldn't happen or or even could have preempted you know the amount of hatred that was out there towards people, but also the amount of the amount of love that was out there for people. Because again, this goes back to what I was telling you, it was saying at the beginning with regards to like the young people. It's kind of like there's more people out there who related to the people who were on benefit street than there were. You know that that couldn't relate. It's and 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 I think yes. that's probably why I'm still kind of you know very vocal and 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 recognised when I'm walking around the supermarket eight years on. I just find it so strange. To be fair, but.
0: So, do people want to come and talk to you as you walk in? Oh my
1: God, a supermarket shop could take me up to three hours though because I—that's <laughs> the thing. I will stop and I will talk to anybody, and that's kind of you know what I mean. It's like. And that's the thing, it's like if someone's taking time out to come and talk to me, then I will talk to them and it's you know, the children walk off and the family walk off, and they're like, Oh, here she goes again and it's like, Come on, mum, we've gotta go home and I'm like, Oh, let me just have a chat and then just oh take my number and it's like just (laughs) my I just haven't I haven't managed to kind of like to block that bit down yet if that makes sense I don't think I ever will to be fair because if it's eight years on and I'm still chatting for hours in the supermarket that's probably why the children never want to come to the supermarket with me so
0: (laughs) so how do you think the whole the whole like package of what came with Benefit Street how do you think that changed your life
1: I think it changed it in the way that it absolutely uprooted everything um You can obviously say that life will only change to an extent if you let it change. And this is the thing, it's kind of, you know, it it never changed me as a person, which I'm blessed about. It never changed, you know, my kids. As people we've still got you know the same friend you know group of friends that they've had growing up from from young and so have I but the added bonus is I've actually got more friends now which are true genuine friends the opportunities it's opened me to have been amazing but the opportunities but it's also opened me to a lot of opportunities with regards to now because if if I have to kind of like I said it's it helps I suppose when you're rocking up to like a venue and it's kind of like oh I'm here yeah I want to talk about this event that I want to put on here for young people and it's kind of like oh are you um are you um day offer? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, so and they tend not to say no then, <laughs> which is kind <laughs> of, like, which is you know, something. Nine times out of ten, really, really good. But again, it's kind of like I've never been a selfish person, and that's kind of what I do. It's like a lot of what I do, or a lot of what I can do, and people that I can speak to. I always do it for the benefit of others. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's never been, or it never will be, kind of about me. 'Cause I've never I've never yeah. been that type of person.
0: No, and thank goodness you've never changed throughout <laughs> well, well, it all. Some
1: people say thank goodness, but others say, Yeah, but but it's it, 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 and I don't know, it's just I haven't say haven't changed. It's like I say, you know, it's like mm-hmm. when people are like shut and they're like, Well where are you living now? And I'm like, What do you mean, where am I living now? I mean, I live in Handsworth, Birmingham, and they're like, but I thought you'd have moved. I said, Well, why would I have moved? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's, it's where I was brought up, where my kids were born and where their friends are, where my friends are, where their school is. And why would you move from, from something like that?
0: So tell me all about Birmingham Says No and what, what exactly it does.
1: Um, Birmingham says no. Basically, um, it it started as part of a nationwide initiative. And it was the long and short of it was was, um, victims and families of of anybody affected by knife crime um, were meeting up and down the country at the same time on the same day. It was the 12th of October in 2019. And it kind of built up a lot of momentum on um, social media um, with different people from different parts of the city. Like you had Coventry, Manchester. It was. It started off down in like London, and um, I was asked by a friend of mine, Rachel she was sort of you know her her son was um, was robbed at knife point in a park in Perry Bar yeah. um, for his phone so she, you know obviously it's one of them I mean, she's a parent her son was you know affected she kind of answered a call and said I'd be interested in doing like the Birmingham says no um, but then like yes yeah, she, so she, she sort of knew my situation as well and I said well I'll come along and you know we'll have a listen and see what it's about so it was it was about parents and Friends and 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 people just protesting. Um, It was supposed to be a protest about you know the effects of knife crime and that it is happening and why aren't people listening? But after a couple of meetings, we kind of thought who really listens when you protest a lot of people who who protest are seen as causing more trouble than than making awareness so instead we we swayed towards well what could we actually do and it was Rachel was like I think we should just take over Victoria Square and just do an event you know try and turn it into an awareness event well <laughs> It just absolutely blew us away, Zoe, to be fair. And um, we had young people turn up to 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 see. To, sing, to rap, we had dancers. We had bike rock. You know, young lads who were part of the bike life movement. We had guest speakers who were speaking through lived experience. Um, we had someone who was who's very very well known in Manchester. I think he was he was um, he came down to speak about the um, you know his experience of gang life and and what he'd been and prison life and what he'd been through. And I think he'd been sort of like shot or stabbed twenty six times. Oh, and you know, and, and obviously, you know, was was still alive. It was it was amazing. What it turned into was something amazing. And after that, we kind of you know sat down and thought, well, where do we kind of go from here? And that's when we kind of thought, do you know something? From the young people who just answered a call, they'd never heard of an organization called Birmingham Says No. This is, you know, this is what we're going to do. And they just flocked to it, do you know what I mean? It was kind of like, so I think it showed us as people that there were so many young people out there who cared and were against this gang life and this knife culture, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's when we kind of thought, I think we could do, you know, we could do something with these young people.
0: Something positive. Because I think you say sometimes it's always portrayed in a negative light, isn't it? Whereas it's good to show the positive side about what young people are doing.
1: And, and one million percent. And that's the thing. It's kind of like in the media outlets, even on social media, it's very, very rare. You see the positiveness in young people. Um, and we just see it. It's in droves, there are so many amazing, amazing young people in our city and beyond you know that 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 don't want to you know get invo- involved in gang culture that don't want to go down the life of of, of crime they they just want to live. And they want to live safely, they want to dance, they want to ride their bikes, they want to, you know, make music that, that doesn't incite hatred and incite violence. Um, they, they just want to, they want to go to the park and play football with their friends, you know, and there's more of that out there, but it never ever gets seen. And I think that's why what we decided to do then, we said, do you know something, we're gonna do another event. And we decided to throw what we'd class as like a Christmas kind of party. Yeah. And it was it was an open mic because you know all the kids are out there, they're into the the rapping and the the music and and and, and blend it in with, with a dance competition so um our our motto is kind of beg, borrow, and plead and that 's kind <laughs> of like you know, it's, and we and we do that an awful lot, so we had a meeting at the lighthouse young people' Center in aston, and obviously, you know we pitched our idea to Juddeal there, and he 's absolutely amazing and gave us his support, and we put on this fantastic christmas party and um, and we must have had about about 250 if not a bit more young people come through the doors and um but the sort of like the thought behind what we do is that whatever we do doesn't cost these young people a penny we value them, we're empowering them, we're encouraging them. I mean, we feed them, you know what I mean? We have, but we always use, like, young people, if that makes sense. Um So sort of like we put pleas out on Facebook for raffle prizes and someone donated us, you know, a a box at Birmingham City Football Club with, you know, with tickets. We had spa days. We had, you know, chocolate, big hotels of chocolate gift sets and and everything was donated. And then an amazing member of the public (laughs) donated prize money. So because what young person does not want cash? They want cash. Of course they do. <laughs> so, you know, so, so we kind of lure them lure them in. We're like the Pied Piper. We lure them in. We, you know, you come. You sing your song, you dance, your dance. If you voted the best, you can win, you know, we had £200 prize money for the winner and then it goes down a bit for second place and third place. But, you know, you just give them a raffle ticket when they come in the door and say, keep that, that's your free meal. And then raffle tickets and then keep them ones. And and and, and they're always like, well, what's the catch? What's the catch? And we're like, well, we haven't got a catch. You know, we're just... and, And that just goes to show that these young people, they just don't get offered anything by anybody without somebody wanting something back in return and I think that's why we've we've managed to well say grow our following has just absolutely spiraled out of control and 90% of it is is young people.
0: I think I love what you said earlier about having the guest speakers there, so they're sharing their lived yes. experiences. That's a really important part of it, isn't it? So what, what have been some of the experiences of youth violence that you've come across?
1: And this again, it's like when we say, you know, when we say about we put on events, obviously, you know, it's kind of not all fun and games because anybody that walks through the door to any of our events, yeah, you can sing, yeah, you can dance, yeah, you can, you know, rap away. But what we do as well is that we, we we invite speakers along who... Who, who can talk to these young people, whether they've been, you know, in prison or whether they've been victims of crime or whether they've actually been perpetrators of crimes, that they come along and they talk to these young people. And it's having someone in front of you who's lived the life. Do you know what I mean? And that kind of hits in a lot, you know, it hits in more with these kids because it's like, it's, I can't stand up and preach to a group of children about being being shot because I've never been shot. Do you know what I mean? I can't stand up and tell this group of young people what it's like to be in prison because I've never been in prison. But these people have, and they're not going to sugarcoat it. Do you know what I mean? It's like we've had... Um, we had um we had two guest speakers come down the w- um come to one of our events the once and they were just so open. Um one was John and one was Ezekiel, and they were real, you know, high up in, in the county lines organisation. I mean, John who was from Liverpool, he, he practically invented the county lines. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Back in the day. And and they were just very honest and they told, you know, what they did to groom young people and and kind of like, you know, the horrific things, you know, how they used to lure people in. And that's the thing with these these things. It's like the lower level is the vulnerable children that are being, you know, forced to sell drugs. They're being, you know... Sexually exploited. I mean, we had um, a mum, a young mum whose daughter was was groomed by these gangs and and the, the sexual abuse that she went through was absolutely horrific and she had to actually be taken away from the family in the end to, you know, just to protect her because... You know, obviously the mum, she's she's like, no, this isn't happening to my child, and and you know their house was targeted, the rest of their family were targeted, because they wanted this girl back, and you because know, and that's just the, heartbreaking. It it really is, and it's you know with um some of the things we've come across, it's it's just it 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 it's practically brutal. It's practically brutal, some of the things we've seen and some of the things we've heard. Um, but, you know, we can but hope, you know, that it, it, it's awareness, isn't it? Yes. And I think that's kind of why, you know, as a group, we, I mean, the harsh reality of it is, so is that we're not of the mindset that we will ever, ever be able to stop knife crime or youth violence. But what our mindset is is that kind of, we're here for, you know, to, if, if we can put on an event and you can get two, 300 young people, to let them know they're safe, to let them know that there are people out there who are champ- championing them because no one, no one wants to listen to young people anymore. And that's the problem. It's just they're never, ever being heard. And... And, it, and it's sort of going back with regards to like the press and social media. You see 10 negative stories about a young person before you read the one positive, when the reality of it is there's probably 10 positives to every negative. Absolutely.
0: But for some reason, people don't. Read them so much. It's. Uh, I don't it's think it's even that like they affair. don't read
1: them. They don't. They don't actually print. Them. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. It's kind of like, you know, gone are the days where you'd, you know, you'd open a newspaper or you'd click on a link and it's. There's actually a positive, good story. And, you know, maybe it is because there's so much horribleness and nastiness happening in the world nowadays, you know, because it has increased, hasn't it? Everything's increased. Um, We've got that awful story coming out at the moment now that happened in Coventry with the little five-year-old boy. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. And it's, it's, you know, there's so much heartbreak out there in in one way or another. And then obviously today um, it's come out that, you know, Obviously we don't know too many of the details but he, he was stabbed to death a five-year-old stabbed to death Do you know what I mean Stop it's coming kind along of like there's something definitely something seriously seriously wrong in this world at the moment
0: but I guess it's great to get a group together and and, and kind of talk to them at a young age to raise awareness as you say because I guess particularly with grooming and county line stuff. I imagine you don't realise that it's happening to you until you're way down the line. you kind of, it's, it, it, you're vulnerable, aren't you? And you don't realise that actually you're going down that path, perhaps.
1: Most definitely. And I think it's society makes you vulnerable as well. And again, it's all this, isn't it? It's like, you know, with TVs and adverts and Instagram, you know, even with regards, even you go back to bullying, if you don't look social media perfect you're an easy target aren't you so it's kind of like you know group of girls group of lads they take the mick out of you know a young lad who hasn't got like you know the latest trainers or the latest tracksuit and you know that but but these things that they're just costing a fortune the cost of having the latest trainers and the latest the latest tracksuit is just ridiculous nowadays that not everyone can afford it but this is what these groomers are watching. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like, do they target these children knowing, you know, and they sort of lure them in with the incentive of, oh, if you just look after this for me, you know what I mean? And I'll get you a pair of trainers and you won't be bullied anymore. Or you won't. It, 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 it's absolutely vicious how they work. It's totally vicious, but it's kind of like awareness is needed as well. At home, because I mean, I for one, I mean, probably because I'm so nosy, I'd notice if my son came through the door. Do you know what I mean? With the, and I'd be like, "Well, where'd you get them?" You have to question mm. your children. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, there are children.
0: It's having those communication levels open, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, but again, when you're saying about the awareness. We're kind of like, we, we. well, obviously, we talk about it quite a lot. I think awareness needs to be brought to children from a a, a lot of younger than they actually are. Because, you know, junior schools and primary schools, sometimes in my eyes, they're a bit kind of like, well, it had never happened to our kids. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But the harsh reality of it is, is that it would. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes, you know, talking to about talking to these young people about it when they're in senior school is sometimes often too late. Mm. It's too late, you know. I think we need to You know, it's a fine line because obviously you wouldn't want to absolutely scare the life out of a five-year-old with the reality of what's going on in the streets. But there are ways and means of getting your points across to a child no matter what age.
0: Yes. So how's the pandemic affected what you've been doing
1: well, the it's, it's pandemic—you would have thought—would um, have obviously, you know, inc- it, you know, decreased a, a, a lot of things, but sadly, it didn't. Um, obviously, you know, during the pandemic, you know, Birmingham lost two fifteen-year-old boys to knife crime. You had Keon Lincoln, and you had Dejan. Mm. The the vi- the violence wasn't, you know, that wasn't locked down. Sadly. Um, You know, you you still had people, people still had to go about their everyday lives. And obviously, you know, drugs were still being sold and drugs, you know, young kids were still being taken off the streets and gangs were still roaming around. And, you know, and, you know, sadly, it it didn't really decrease at all. I think the figures actually went up a little bit towards the the midway through the first lockdown, shall we say. So So
0: have you been able to support young people during the pandemic?
1: Well, this is the thing. It's kind of like we have um, a lot, obviously, most of our followers are on sort of, you know, the young followers on like the Instagram stage. Um, And they just reach out, people just reach out, we're very accessible it's like I say, we're a two person bandwagon at the moment, it's like, you know, it's myself and Rachel Warren, now Rachel's a teacher she's a primary school teacher and she's, she's taught in Handsworth, Birmingham um, but it was like really kind of anybody that reaches out to us, and we've had loads we don't just reply back and kind of leave, it. We, we'd follow it up and you know, we reach out, then we're kind of like the mid post, if that makes sense. So you build Mm. up kind of a bit of a rapport with them, and you talk to them. And, you know, if they want to give you information, they give you information. If you don't, you kind of just let them know that you're there. But you know, it's then we kind of find people that we trust. Like, you know, we've had young people reach out, and it's kind of like, you know, I've been thrown out. I've got nowhere to live. Um, I'm on the streets. And and we found them somewhere to live. You know, we found young people, jobs. And it, it, it's kind of, you know, we're dealing with them like one person at a time. Um, we've got like loads of other organisations that we have now know about that we found these young people, they've been able to go on to -to one-to-one mentoring, you know, have one-to-one mentoring, um, life coaching sessions. We've done, you know, online where all the practitioners come on and they're saying, you know, if anyone's out there struggling, then just tell them to message us. And so we're just finding people that can actually work together. But a lot of the stuff that we are doing, it it has been so positive, positive. And you know, it's we haven't sort of because we're of the mindset if if someone does reach out to us, then we'd never let them down, and we would, you know, with hell or high water to try and you know support them or find them someone who who, who can take them under their wing.
0: That's fantastic.
1: I think it's the parental part has, you know, just stepped up, but it's just absolutely stepped up, you know, massively. Because at the end of the day, that's what me and Rachel are. We're we're two parents. Do you know what I mean? We're two parents. We've got two young children. We're born and still live in Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? So we know Birmingham and we care about Birmingham and we don't just care about our own kids. We care about all young people out there.
0: That's fantastic. So I know you've been doing a lot to help with food poverty as well. You've been involved with delivering food parcels. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Oh, honestly, and this is the thing, so it's kind of like, it's... (laughs) We, we don't post about a, half of the things that we do because that's kind of not us either. Um, you know, I've always been against the, you know, the, the past the homeless person a sandwich and take a photo of it and post it everywhere because it's kind of not about that for us. Um, we were contacted, it would have been in, I think, the November... Um, I'm trying to think what year now, because all these years they've just all blended into each other, have, haven't yeah. they? Have. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's an organisation um, called the Community Relief Foundation, and obviously, you know, they were there to support us when we started out. As obviously Birmingham says no um with like paperwork and red tape, et cetera, et cetera. And they kind of um reached out to us at one stage and sort of said, you know, we've been given some funding and we've got this food bank and and have you got any you know volunteers who'd be able to come and help us out for two weeks? So, obviously, we put out the call and said, you know, looking for volunteers at a food bank, it'll be two weeks, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the amazing followers and supporters of Birmingham Says No said, you know, yeah, great, we'll come and give you a hand. So, we all met here. And that two weeks has actually turned into nearly two years. It's oh, like, it has. Yeah. it has, you know, and, and, and that's kind of like the heroin thing. It's oh, um, it, It's just so sad. Um, some of the things that we've seen, and some of the families that I've encountered.
0: What have been some of the some of the stories that you've heard? Not naming any names.
1: No, no, I'd, I never would. And this is the thing. It's kind of like, you know, we're trying to beat down this thing because there's so many proud people that we're still mm. out there in Birmingham and beyond. Do you know what I'm saying? And this is the thing that wouldn't, would never ever ever think of reaching out and asking for someone for something as simple as food um and i think that's part of the problem a lot of people we get a lot of you know quite a few schools messaging us saying you know i've got this family and i think they'd really benefit from a food parcel and i'm like you know this is a school who's contacting you know an organization like us um, but again, I said between the Community Relief Foundation, we've got Salma Food Bank. Um, there's been a couple of amazing charities. Obviously, I'm an ambassador for a charity called Balls to Cancer. Yeah. Um, there's a charity called H2HU, which is based over in Walsall sides. Um, and again, it's this beg, <laughs> this beg, borrow and plead. You just put out a request, and and they. These organisations have been absolutely amazing in helping us feed some of the most vulnerable families. Um, we had one who's um, obviously um, contact from a single father whose um, whose who's, who's wife had just, she just upped and left. We don't know the circumstances. She upped and left and left him with, um, I think he had four small children. And he's a working man, but obviously, you know, wasn't receiving the highest paid job and and things like that and and he just he just couldn't afford to feed the kids. He just could not afford to feed the kids. And it was like when you're turning up, you know, you turn up and you've just got these bags of food. And when I say like it's never anything kind of like extravagant. It's just the most basic of food groups so mean. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and to see like the look on his face or When the kids see a packet of biscuits. I mean, we had kind of like, just before Christmas, um, we had this family. um, The mother had been through horrendous, horrendous horrendous domestic violence. Um, She'd managed to escape the domestic violence. But I think the PTSD... um, just still affects her to this day. And she's got two amazing, beautiful young girls. And the school reached out on her behalf. And we obviously went round and and dropped her off at a food parcel. But because it was Christmas, you know, you just grab like a box of chocolates and just pop it in the bag. And the little girl just burst into tears when she saw a Mm. box of chocolates in the bag. Do you know what I mean? And this is just... Things that we take for granted because you, know, yes. you can walk around the supermarket. I mean, my son is he's fifteen now, but he's a, it's, it's I don't know where he gets it from, Zoe. But but you know <laughs> what I mean, and that's kind of like you don't realise when you're walking around how easy it is just to grab something off a shelf and just throw it into a yes. into a shopping basket or a trolley, and then you come home, don't you, and you just. Chuck it in the fridge or chuck it in the cupboard, or do you know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, and it's the kids take can come down.
0: Granted, yeah,
1: yes. yeah, and it's it, it's kind of, you know, but I, even I've started you now, it's like, you know, you do when he's sitting there and it'll be like, you're going to eat that whole bar of chocolate? And he's like, well, yeah. And it's like, you know, and I'm like, you just don't, you don't know how lucky you are, but you say I'm saying that to him over a bar of chocolate, but it's because of what I've seen when I'm out and about. It's like, you know, it's just awful. It's really awful. And like I said, we've probably feed up to we've done some I think the most we did was probably seventy five seventy five families a week.
0: And tell me about the um fee is it female empowerment event that you've got coming up?
1: So it's the 6th of March, it's at the Lighthouse Young People Centre and the long and short of it is, is that we're highlighting the positivity in young females of Birmingham and this is where, you know, I mean, up to date I think we've got 26 young people that have 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 got stalls where they're, you know, they're just going to show it these, where they've, you know, born and bred in Birmingham the same as everyone else. But what they've done is, is they've gone against the grain. They've set up their own businesses. Um, they're doing their own thing. It's like we've got, you know, the cake makers. We've got, you know, the beauty, you know, the beauty aspect of it. We've got someone who's doing their own, you know, skincare range and, and we've got an amazing young person who's who's a female who's going to be doing all the cooking because again it's the same rules apply. You will be fed, you will be watered, and you will have the chance to win some amazing prizes. But it's all we've got an amazing, amazing female DJ. Um, she's from the drum and bass scene. Her name's DJ Temper, she's Birmingham. I mean, I'm a bit biased because obviously, mm-hmm. like she's um, she's my daughter's aunt, but but again, she's female and she's absolutely smashing it out there at the moment so it's going to be a full female event because i think again as well with regards to the field that we're in young girls and females they're often forgotten But they do play a vital role in society as well. And this is why it's kind of like they're never championed and they're never empowered until now. So, yeah, the 6th of March will be their day. So really, really looking forward to that. And again, we've got some very, very powerful female speakers coming in to speak to them about their life experiences as well. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be brilliant.
0: So we have a series of questions we ask all of our guests on the podcast, so I'm going to fire them at you now if that's okay. What would be the two things you tell your 18-year-old self if you had the chance?
1: Now, see, I have actually thought about this one, you know, Zoe, and I would possibly just tell my 18-year-old self just to keep doing what you're doing because I think it's my 18-year-old self is what's actually made me who I am today, and I'm perfectly happy Kind of like with how things have turned up, you know what I'm saying? It's like your past defines your future. So, kind of, if I was to go back now and try and tell my 18 year old self something completely different, I probably wouldn't be who I was, who I, who I am today. Does that make That's sense? That's so true. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, you know, yeah, it does. probably, you know. <laughs> i thinking, because obviously thinking back to when i was sort of 18 i'd kind of like you know started on like the yts you know left school i mean no one would probably no one would probably know what the yts is anymore but i was so happy with my life as an as an 18 year old you know i wouldn't change anything or tell myself anything
0: that's wonderful
1: See, I can't, I can't, can't actually put more my, than that, put my finger really? on when it actually did go wrong, Zoe, but I know at 18 I was probably all right. And that's why it was kind of like, yeah, so it was, yeah, so at 18, <laughs> if, when I thought about it, I thought about it and thought, you know, something, like, nah, I'd just say just keep doing what you're doing at 18 years old. I'd definitely tell myself just to keep doing what you're doing, yeah.
0: Good for you. So what are three things that you love to do every day? What do you do, kind of the start, the end of the day or any routines?
1: start the day, it's got to be, obviously, I'm probably one of the most famous tea drinkers in the world. I cannot do anything, Zoe, (laughs) anything until I've at least had two cups of tea.
0: I'm with you on that.
1: So it's like you you open your eyes, you walk past the son's bedroom, you're hollering at him, get up, it's time for school, come down, kettle's on, boom, cup of tea. So I'd even have my first cup of tea before I even bother calling that boy again. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think it's essential that you start the day with a cup of tea and you finish the day with a cup of tea. That is one of the essential things. (laughs) I absolutely love cooking as well. So it's like mine are, you know, they're not really into kind of like the takeaway flex, whereas every now and again it'd be, oh, do you want pizza? And they're like, no, I'd rather you cook. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, because you're willing your kids to have takeaways so you can have a day off from being in the kitchen. Um, so I do really <laughs> love cooking. So then that's another good thing is kind of I will always end up in the kitchen and, I, and deciding what to do and, you know, experimenting with a lot of stuff as well. I don't, you know, it's kind of, you know, different stuff, different flavours. Oh, well, I'll try this today. And nine times ten out it works, but, you know, there's always the one time.
0: So just to round off, uh, to going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's affected by youth violence?
1: Um, The one piece of advice I'd give to someone is that it's kind of like, there are people out there who are willing to to listen to you and it's kind of like... And a lot of the problems that we've come across is that young people, they have reached out to people in the past, Zoe, and they're just not heard or it's batted off... Or it's kind of, and you can understand then why they're not willing to come forward or they're not willing to sort of say, listen, I'm in this situation and I'm really, really scared. Well, we've had it a few times, but we are here to listen. And this is the thing it's just, you know, it's about reaching out to the right person and without sort of blowing up. We are the right people. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like we're not, we're not. Governed by any sort of ruling body. We're just, you know, we're not the police. We're not social services. We're not the education department. We're two mums who care and who've got connections. And we will not abandon you. And we will help you. And, you know, we are there for you. And, again, we're there for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like no matter what it's 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 connection points and please you know if you are out there and you are worried about something that's happening or to you or to a friend everything is completely confidential we don't pass on information and things like that because that's not what we're about either we will advise you we'll direct you and you know we'll be there for you and that's all we can kind of you know say at the moment
0: And how can young people get in touch if they need to? They can get in
1: touch with us. A lot of what they do is obviously, you know, it is on social media. Um, Our Instagram is... Birmingham says no and Rachel obviously you know she's she's in charge of the Instagram I do a lot of the Facebook so on uh, and Twitter so on on Instagram it's at Birmingham says no and on Facebook where Birmingham says no to knife crime and youth violence but we also offer support for parents we have a lot of like parents contact us via Facebook and a lot of young people via Instagram um and yeah, just drop us a message and we never, we never, ever don't get back to anybody.
0: Well, I think it's absolutely wonderful what you're doing. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And, and I just hope that some people listening to this will get in touch and that you'll be able to help even more people.
1: Most definitely. God bless you. And thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much.
0: You can read more about Birmingham Says No on our Brummy Mummy's Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. Also head over to the Birmingham Says No Facebook page to find out more and get involved. Brummie Mummies is a laudable production, brought to you by Brummie Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter to never miss an episode. See you next time.